This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3582 for Tuesday, the 26th of April, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Rolling a New Character. It is part of the series Haskell. It is hosted by Tuku Toro Toe and is about 30 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is Tuchito continues writing an example Haskell game, this time rolling a new character. Hello, I'm Tuula Turto and you're listening to the Hacker Public Radio. This time we'll continue writing our small game in Haskell and we are going to create a random random character. So, before we go, let's have a quick peek in, at some places in the code. So, we have the main.hs file that contains the main module definition that was generated automatically by the stack when we started this project. And in the end of that main function, there's the call to the run function, which is defined in the run.hs file. And that's the place where we can see the overflow of our program in plans. That's the, if you, if you want to think, uh, that, that is our main, like, main thing that our program does. I copied the, 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 the source code into the show notes if you want to have a look. But basically, there's a, uh, first we are using the show main menu to ask ask the user if they want to it will display the main menu and ask user if if they want to start a new game or quit and depending on their choice there's a, a case analysis case choice of and if there's an exit game then we'll just return from the run function and then the whole program will end or we go to the uh, branch where we uh, create a new character and select the equipment and start playing and in the end display the uh, game over screen. So the another interesting module is the types. There you can find how player items, monsters and such are defined. I'm not copying it in the show notes, but if you want to have a look at it, it's at the GitHub, uh, sorry, Codebook repository. There's a link in the show notes to there. And be mindful that you look at the 0100 tag because there's a newer code than what I'm talking about now and that's a slightly slightly different. There's been some reorganization done and there's some extra things there that I may get, get into the future, but not this time. So our run function basically has a, it has a bunch of log statements to tell what this what what the program is currently doing those are those are using the real they come come from that and then there's a lines like player left arrow lift io ever run io roll new character this is what rolls our new character and then there's that eval run io that's a, a clue to us that we are dealing with the random number generators so it in it uh takes the global random number generator and supplies that to the roll new character function. Because in the Haskell, I, I will get into the random numbers bit bit more detail later, but in the Haskell, uh, state is usually immutable. So if you call a function and give it to a run, random number generator, you are always going to get the same result unless you give it a different random number number generator. 
So that evalrand.io takes the global random number generator and threads, threads it through the calls inside of the role new character. And the lift.io thing is that uh, we are in a Rayo monad now. Run, uh, the signature of the run function is Rayo app parenthesis. That means that it doesn't return a value. It has a app as a configuration and it uses Rayo monad. So that allows us to access that configuration. We are not using it in this program, but it's there if we wanted to use it. And it allows us to do debugging by outputting our log statements that we are using. And it allows us to print on the screen, but if we are using our things that are using IO directly, we have to use lift IO. It's a bit, I'm not, I'm not probably the best, that's not probably the clearest explanation, but it's enough for us. So if you see lift IO, it means that we are using things that are designed for the IO monad inside of Rayo monad. Anyway, uh, so uh, what our function do? So there's the choice left arrow, so main menu, that shows the main menu, and whatever value it returns is placed into choice. Then there's a case choice of, that's a case analysis, there's a two branches, start new game or exit game. And there's the player left arrow, lift IO, L run IO, roll new character. That rolls our new character. And those uh, dollar sign there, only that's there to instruct the, that uh, Haskell to evaluate that L run IO, roll new character first. And whatever that returns, supply that as a parameter to the lift IO. If we didn't have that there, Haskell will read this line that call lift IO function and supply two parameters, evalrand.io and roll new character. And that of course doesn't work. You could replace that dollar sign with the parentheses around evalrand.io roll new character. The end result would be the same. It's just a different, different way of writing it. Uh, display new character player that just displays our freshly created character. Gear, left arrow, select starting gear, player, gear, player. That creates a, uh, that uses our uh, equipment that possibly get generated in the rolling a new character. We are actually not using that. And it displays a menu where the player can choose the equipment. And the result of that is placed into gear variable. Game, left arrow, lift IO, Evalrand.io start game player gear. This starts a new game. It shuffles the deck and prepares things for for the for the game to start. And the result of that is placed into the game variable. This variable now contains a, a type that or value that represents our game. It has the deck and the current card and the player and the player gear and all that stuff. Finished game, left arrow, play game, game. So this plays the game until we are done and the end result is placed into the finished game. 
and display game over finished game displays the game over screen. So word about input and output. I try, so uh, one, one of the things that I really like about the Haskell is that you have ability, I mean, you're forced basically to uh, state which functions have access to the input and output, printing on the screen, uh, doing network calls, accessing databases, accessing uh, files on a disk, and which functions are pure in a sense that they are always just data in, data out. And it's guaranteed that when you call a function, that you will always get the, with the same, same parameters, you are always going to get the same result. So one plus one is always two, it doesn't magically turn into three. One plus one, plus one also doesn't print on the screen, it doesn't access the hard drive or anything. It just takes the, those two val values and produces a new value. So the, but, uh, and that makes, uh, for example, testing really pleasant because the more you have those pure functions, the easier it is test because you can just write uh, examples or do property-based testing or whatever you like. And it's always like data in, data out. You can always, you can even come, go through the code by hand and figure out that if I give these values, the results will be this, and then write your test like that. As soon as you start mixing in I.O., things get really tricky, because if you have done any, uh, for example, unit testing or integration testing, what, any, any automated testing, you know that as soon as there's a database involved or files involved, the testing is a little bit trickier. And the same thing is, it is with the reasoning about the code. It's easy when you can just look at the code and you know that it's values in, values out. Nothing is going to change somewhere outside of the, the function. Okay, showing the main menu. The, uh, that show main menu function has a signature Ryo up main menu choice. So it doesn't take any parameters. It uses the Ryo. It has the app as a configuration and it returns main menu choice and uh, it has a lot of those lift IO statements they are just to make sure they just uh, make that the put strln that has been designed to work with the IO that it works in inside of this Ryo monad so we are just using the put strln to print out nice menu with two choices and then we are calling going, uh, calling main menu input function and that one has a signature of Ryo app main menu choice the same signature and this uses the get line to read a line from the user so user user can type zero or more characters and hit the enter and that what whatever they typed is placed into the i I left arrow lift IO get line. So we get one line and play, place it very descriptively named variable I. That, that is terrible name, but apparently I choose, choose to use terrible name there. And then we are doing the case analysis, case I of one, return start new game. Two, return exit game. So if, if the user enter one, we return the 
start new game and two, we return to exit game. And then there's the underscore right arrow. That means that whatever user inputted and didn't match anything previously, we handle in this branch. And there we first do the log debug. We tell that somebody made an incorrect menu choice and show what they made, what they typed there. This, this ends into the log. Uh, the, it goes into the STDR stream. Usually that is directed to the, on the screen, but when user starts the game, they can use the, let's see if I can remember. I think it was two greater than, and then file name. That directs the std error stream into the file, so they can direct it into the log.txt, for example. Uh, then uh, we instruct the user, please select 102, and then we call main menu input again, the same function we were. So we keep loop, looping recursing in the, inside this function until user enters 102. And now you might be thinking that what about stack? Doesn't that mean that if user enters incorrect choice plenty of times, then there will be a stack overflow and the game will crash? That's not the case in the, with the Haskell. I'm not actually quite completely familiar with the technical implementation, but the Haskell doesn't have a stack in the same sense than in other programming languages. And also the compiler is pretty uh, pretty good at optimizing code. And here the main menu input is the last call of the function. So whatever the main menu input returns is what this function will return. So the Haskell understands that the compiler understands that there's no there's now no, no work to be done with the return value inside of this function, so we can just return the value directly. We don't have to keep track how many uh, what value have been returned from the function and do some extra work. So it's the it's the last call of the function, so we can just return the value directly. We don't have to calculate the value in, inside of that function return here and then return from here. We can just return directly from the code function to the whatever place called this function. So uh, rolling a new character. There's this in our run function there's this player left arrow, lift IO, eval run IO, roll new character. That rolls a new character. And because there's that eval run IO, we know that this deals with the uh, random numbers. If you look at the signature of the roll new character, it is uh, random gen G Thick arrow, run G player. Okay, this thick arrow means that on the left side there's a, some, some, some constraints. So G, G can be, uh, G is some type that has a type instance of the random gen. Random gen is a type class that defines a, a interface basically. There's a set of functions that has to be defined for that type. And this function returns run g player. So whatever g is, we don't care as long as it's 
has a uh, instance of the random gen. It could be the one that is in the Haskell libraries, or it could be one that you have written if you have a, some really, really uh, nifty implementation for the random number generation. So we essentially we are returning a player and we are returning uh, behind the scenes inside this random monad, we are returning the new state of our random number generator. Because remember I said that the, when you call a function with the same result, uh, same parameters, you are always going to get the same result, unless there's an IO uh, involved, because then of course you cannot guarantee that the database has the exactly same da data, or it actually even exists there or something. But even with random number generators, I mean, with random numbers, that is true. Same input, same out output, even if you have random number numbers. And this might sound a bit contradictory, but it works in the way that you, when you want to generate random numbers, you can do it either in the I/O monad, and then the results depend on the state of the universe, basically, or you can do it in a pure function where you have to supply your random number generator and that random number generator has a state. So given the same random number generator state, you are going to get the same result. And when you call, when you ask a random number from that generator, you are going to get a random number and you are going to get a new state for that random number generator. If you ask the same random number generator new random number, you're going to get the same number back and the same, same state. But if you then ask a new random number using that new state that you get after the first call, you're going to get a different random number. So if you were to do this by hand and you, were, you, you, and you needed, a, let's say, 10 num random numbers, you would have to make 10 calls take those um, values, give hold of those values that are returned, and make sure that every subsequent call is using the latest random number generator state that you got from, from the previous call. It is possible to do this, but doing this by hand is really tedious and really error prone, because you are going to end up with the random number generator one, random number generator two, and so on. So that's why we are using the rand monad here, which makes sure that, that when you are do, making those calls, it, it, will, uh, it will thread that random number generator state behind the scenes, making sure that every call is going to use the latest generator state. So you don't have to do it by hand. You can just say that, give me 10, 10 random numbers, and it will give those to you. And the state of the generator will be moving behind the scenes without you having to worry about it. And when you are returning, like here, we are returning the rand G player. We are, we are returning the generated player. And behind the scenes, we are also returning that latest state of the random number generator. So if somebody were to use this function in a part of a bigger random computation, they could just call this. And they would get back the random player 
and behind the scenes they would have that random number generator threading through the future call future calls this this is pretty nifty thing so uh implementation of this uh role new character isn't too complex so we are doing that str left dice three dex left arrow dice three mind left arrow dice three max hp left arrow dice four so we are throwing uh three or four six-sided dice and summing them together and putting those values in the str dex mind and max hp so and then we are returning a player where we are setting those values so the player strength will be the the str and player dexterity will be the dex and player mind will be the mind and the player hp will be the max hp and the player max hp will be the max hp so we are we are keeping we have a separate values for the hp that is the current hit points that represents the player's vitality or life force and then we have the max hp that represents what's the maximum of that value because during the adventure the hp might go down or go up but it will never have it is never allowed to go to the over the max hp and that dice is of course written by us that has a, a signature random gen g thick arrow natural arrow range g natural so it takes a uh, it deals with the random numbers so it, it has that rand g monad uh, it takes one parameter that is natural and it returns a natural natural is a uh, uh, type for number natural numbers so it can be zero one two three four and so on it cannot be negative and uh, haskell cannot well you i think you can write code that it could check that in the run uh, in the compile time but i don't know i i'm not good enough to do such a things but it will uh it will check in the runtime when you create a new nat natural number that it is zero or more if you try to create a natural number of minus one you are going to get a runtime exception so th this has uh, this has the advantage that in here where we are using the natural number we can be sure that it is zero or greater we don't have to worry about or do any checks that what about if it's a negative it cannot be we don't have to worry about that but on the other hand when we are doing our calculations with natural numbers we have to be sure that we think that what is the possible results of this if you are doing the multiplication or adding up then no problems but as, some, as soon as we are starting to do subtraction we have to be careful that we don't subtract bigger number from the smaller number because that will get us into the negative uh, territory and that will cause a runtime exception so we when when working with the natu naturals we always have to check before doing subtraction that we are not going to subtract too much and if we are going to subtract too much then we have to think about in the terms of the our program logic should we throw an exception or should we return zero or should we return a 
something else. Like we have to think what it what it means in our programs terms that we are trying to subtract too much. But anyway, here we are not going to, to we are not doing subtractions. We are going to generate random numbers, and that we are going to do with this line rolls left arrow get random rs one six. Okay, so this get, get gives us a random numbers between one and six inclusive. So one, two, three, four, five, and six, and it will give us a infinite. A list of random numbers, like like it is really infinite, but because the way Haskell is written and how Haskell operates, that list is when we evaluate it, it's always evaluated only as much as we need. So if we take the first number, then we are going to get the first number, and then we have a something called tank. Uh, in other languages, it, it's uh, similar to promise. It's not quite the same, but it's close enough. So if we take the first element of that list, then we get the first element. And then the rest of the list is there, but it hasn't been computed. If we take the second element, then the second element is computed, but not the rest. So it's an infinite list of random numbers that is evaluated as when we need. So don't try to count how many numbers there are because that will cause our problems. So and then we do the let roll equals sum take from integral n rolls. So rolls is our rolls is our infinite list of random numbers. Take is a function that takes uh, uh, two parameters. It takes the uh, integer and the list, and it takes uh, uh, as many elements from the list as that parameter tells you. And because it uses integer and not the natural, we have to use the from integral function to convert our natural into the integer. So take from integral n rolls takes n elements from that rolls list so we take n um, uh, dice rolls random dice rolls and then sum sums them up and then we return now that roll is integer so we have to again use that from integral to convert it from the integer into the natural so this this little thingy, th these three lines, is going to roll dice n amount of times, sum them together, and return the summed, summed uh, result, and of course the state of the random number generator, but it's going on the behind the scenes. We don't have to worry about that at all. Okay, uh, and... I could have used here a integer as, as the value of the n, then we wouldn't have to do those two from integral calls. But I wanted to use the natural because the, it, uh, uh, it tells to the caller pretty, pretty plainly that you have to supply zero or greater number when you are calling this function.
you cannot put minus one here or some or 1.5 because those don't make sense you cannot take minus one elements from the list you cannot throw minus five dice at least in this this game you cannot do that okay no so now we have a basic layout for our program and we have a random randomly generated character I want originally I wanted to deal with the uh, gearing up the character too at this episode but it's already half an hour I don't, I don't know how I don't know if I ramble too much or where does the time go but anyway uh, next time we are going to have a look how to how to gear up the character there's a little bit more user user interaction required here we only had the user chooses one or two to either start a new game or quit the game but in the next next episode there will be a little bit more interactivity it will be still in the text console because text console is a, a lot easier to work with than some say graphical user interface and it is uh, we want to write our game in the as little complications as possible i'm sure that the game that we are writing here could be written in a much more clean a much more elegant or much more abstracted way but that would require some somewhat more efforts from our end and now the goal is just to write a game and get it done and maybe worry about making the code pretty and elegant in the later when when it's done but first we want to get it done and like i said the game is available at the codeberg codeberg repository there's a link in the in the show notes and please look at the 0100 tag because in the there's a uh, newer code in the repository i did some restructuring and some extra thing extra things there that hopefully we will get into the later if you have any questions comments or feedback you can reach me by email or you can reach me at the fediverse where i'm tuturto at the LGTP, or you even better you could write your own uh, record your own episode and post it in the hacker public radio ad astra you have been listening to hacker public radio at hackerpublicradio.org today's show was contributed by a hbr listener like yourself If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.